This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Make your fastest runs even faster with the Cutting Edge Metaspeed Plus Series, featuring our lightest, most reactive FF Blast Turbo Cushioning and a full-length carbon plate. The Metaspeed Plus Series is waiting to help you find your speed. Visit asics.com.au or your specialty running store to grab your pair today. episode number 247 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Thanks for giving us a bit of your attention. A lot of running news has happened in the last uh, seven days. So looking forward to talking to it, talking about it with my two co-hosts. One of them is Julian Spence from Anglesey, Victoria. How are you going, Moose? I'm going good, mate. That's good. good. It's good to see you in person on the weekend. And now we're doing it over the phone lines. I saw you, saw you a little bit, but my head was facing the, the ground, the grass, when you came past, I reckon. Yeah, I did. I did I see cool. Croaks, welcome to you as well. I did go. Congratulate Moose on his uh, performance on the weekend, which we'll unpack this afternoon in this conversation. And he uh, he was in a world of hurt, which a lot of people are when they finish cross-country races, so to be expected. Uh, it's good to see him putting in for the Cats. Jeez, big result from the Cats. Looking forward to talking about that as well later in running news. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit going on. We appreciate you guys tuning into this show, episode number 247. Bit croaky there, Croaks. What's going on? Bit sick. Yeah, I'm crook. I'm back on the uh, sickness merry-go-round. Um, I was sick like two weeks ago, and then uh, Viv and Lily got sick at the start of last week. And then, uh, yeah, after my long run yesterday, that afternoon, just started to come down with, like, fever and headache and sore throat. So, um, yeah, took today off. Couldn't go to work today and uh, obviously couldn't run today either. So, But I'll be uh, I'll be right. I'll get through the show. I'll just put myself on mute when I'm not needed so I can knock back a few strepsils. You'll be right. You'll be good. Uh, well, let's start with Moose then, so you can start getting a few cough lollies down. Moose, tell us about your race week at the Bundura Cross Country Victorian Championships. Yeah, well, ran every day this week, did one workout. Uh, so that's that's pretty much my race weeks at the moment. I'll do a workout on the Wednesday and then race on the Saturday. I won't do a long run. So that's how this week played out. Um, so if we go back, oh, you know, going back in um, Strava when you've got a race, because it links all the people that you follow in the same race. Oh yeah, you scroll I, like, down. I'm going way back. Uh, like 50 different. <laughs> I wonder races. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it was the 18th 
So what I did on the 18th was just ran half an hour or so, 6K loop, um, jogging. I really, I really mastered the art of jogging, I reckon. I don't feel like I've got none of that sort of croaks desire to go fast at all. I just chill out and if I can, if I do a couple of Ks faster than five minutes, then that's great. If I don't, then also great. It's bloody a good way to enjoy running than the scenery and the bushland and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and you naturally, you're going to naturally go quicker once you get fitter. But I'm just like in the past, I've always felt like, oh, it's so slow. I want to go faster. I want to go faster. I don't feel like that anymore. So it's 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 quite enjoyable. You're right. You just put it on. I, I go to time, so I might run half an hour, and then you don't have to worry about pace or anything. It's great. And the weather's been like it's outside of today. We had some of the best mornings and the best sun, sunsets that I've ever seen this past week. So running, I mean, it was chilly because the clouds are all gone and um, those brisk mornings, like really icy, but fantastic running weather. Tuesday, I did uh, about 40 minutes. Um, did a couple of surges on that run, I think, just to prepare myself for uh, Wednesday morning. I did a little workout. So I ran a bit of a combo type workout. So three sets of five minutes threshold, one minute jog. Then I went one minute hard, one minute jog. Um, so this sort of touched a few different systems. Well, two or three. Um, I don't. I have trouble getting up the threshold at the moment. This early, it's just like mechanically, I I, I can't turn the legs over fast enough generate enough power so the first lap five minutes my average heart rate was was only 152 um and then the next um then the one minute i did so i went 329 312 319 three minute 322 three minute Uh, and so by the end i was feeling good it takes me a little bit to to warm up so i'm not minding these afternoon races actually that AV are putting on, sort of suiting my body a little better. Um, so yeah, that was that was a pretty good workout. They're all going pretty well at the moment. I wore the Asics Metaspeed Sky, which I think we talk about in this episode, um, and gave me a little bit of confidence for Bandura. Uh, my cooldowns and warm-ups are only real small, so three 3K warm-up, 2K cooldown, because I just don't feel like I need anything more than that at the moment. Next day, sort of 40 minutes, just jogging. Again, next day, jogging. Did some strides on the Friday. And then Saturday was race day. So head up to Bandura, sort of carpool from Geelong up. We, um, we had a pretty solid team in, starting to really get like a, a good vibe happening around the Geelong tent at the moment. Um, 10K cross country like Bandura. Never an easy place to run. Um, I knew I, I did a couple of strides just off the start line, and I was thinking um, this is going to hurt like for 30 minutes, I reckon. And, and I got nervous thinking about how much how much it hurt, uh, and then how much it was going to hurt. And then once it went off, we went off the line too fast. I settled into probably about 40th, I reckon, and. I just felt like it was a bit too quick, but 
because the pack is so thick, you can't really just drop the anchor and hit the brakes, change gears down because you just you've got so many people right up your ass. You kind of just got to almost commit and go with that pace. And after a K, I sort of found myself in a little group, and I thought, okay, this is the pace it's going to be. I would have liked for it to feel a bit easier than this, but I'm pretty sure I can gut it out for like 30 minutes at this kind of intensity. Uh, and I kind of did. I mean, I got pretty slow up the hills towards the end, but in terms of my position in the pack, like we don't really care about pace or, or times. Um, in terms of my position in the pack, I think I probably increased my position, but at the same time, I, I did have people going past me, um, probably had two or three go past me in the final lap. And then I was leapfrogging with a couple of guys the whole race. And um, I probably, I reckon, if I was leapfrogging with five, three of them got the best of me and two didn't. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good run. I think I came 33rd last check. I didn't check the individual results today after they kind of became official. Um, but I reckon 33rd I was. And Geelong... We can talk. We'll talk about the results later. But we had a great day out, and yeah, that was like a hard. It's a hard slog cross country. There is no glamour about it whatsoever. There's no one there taking pics, race photo. Oh, there are a few people taking pics, but it's not like smiles on faces or anything like that. No one looks good. It is just a brutal place with blokes ladies with their mouths open with spit coming out just <laughs> muddy dirty like real low knee lift because of how little pop you're getting back off the grass you're sinking into corners it's it, it's just unimpressive but very blue collar gritty style running 30 second you were moose i got the official today's results in front of me now in 33.07 not that yeah. doesn't matter too much for 10k on cross country they don't, no, especially this one. Like, everyone pulled up short off that, but who cares? It's done matter. It's about position. So, yeah, I was stoked with that. I mean, if you, were you eight weeks ago. Or six, yeah, well, you were, you just scraped into the top 100 at Bendigo. That was nine yeah, weeks ago. That, that was like, I reckon I probably could have taken five or ten more spots that day, but that was pretty solid effort then. So I'm I'm feeling like this is, a, this is much further up the – up the uh, path than where I thought I would be um, eight weeks ago, and I'm doing it without rushing anything. That's that's the best bit. I'm just I'm not cramming. I'm not increasing unsafely. Like everything is a bonus right now, and that's a good, like it feels good that way. I don't get disappointed. Like if a race came up that I couldn't do, I wouldn't be disappointed. Just um, because I'm not like I'm not expecting that it will happen. Um, it's pretty remarkable off the work you've been doing, though. Like, I'm just looking at the names around you, and there's a lot of guys in there who do, you know, 130, 140K weeks. Yeah, they're not 214 Australian marathon representatives, but they're, they're fit and they're in good shape, and you've kind of matched them on a tough course um, off, you know, what have you averaged the last five or six weeks? Would it be well, much, would it? 50K, no, it, 60K? No it's long 57 runs? now. Yeah. It's 57 the last four weeks, so that's pretty good. Like, oh, Yeah, but no, not compared to like 130, the guys you're up against. Yeah. It, again, this is, a, this is a really good case study 
and I'll be interested to see how it plays out in some of these longer road races. But like this gives me a lot of confidence that I might be able to get to say 80k a week and race well off that. Uh, not as well as what I have run, but at least get me up and about, and I can um, I can have some ambition again. What's your limit though, Moose? Of like if you run 80k a week. Over what distance can you race well? Like, yeah. You're not going to run. You're not going to race well over a marathon. I wouldn't have thought off 80. So where do you think you, where do you think the limit is? But you, you say that. However, I wouldn't have thought I would race that well over. I guess there's different. Um, there's different. Uh, relevant like, the times are relevant. So and the the concept of racing well is relevant now. Like no, I'm not going to run 214 off 80k a week. But maybe I run 225 off 80k a week, mm. and that like that's racing well, I guess, off that mileage. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's I, I'm not expecting to run fast times anymore, but I, I, I also wasn't expecting to run a to run that place off the off. I guess really like 55k a week at Bandura. I was like, expecting I it. I picked it early in the week in the message group. Didn't I? Top 35 for Big Moose, I said, Croaks. You did. I just yeah, know he's got I, I that competitive like, edge to him. Top 50 I was happy with. Um, but, yeah, I I was happy with that race. And I was happy with how I gutsed it out because I was feeling pretty shit early. And <laughs> some of those hills, I was crawling up them. Like, I was terrible downhill. I was pretty good on the flat and I was average uphill. What about when you're going uphill? Well, this is what I felt like. I'm just like, why haven't 15 people gone past me? Like, mm. you just feel like you got walking. And it wasn't even that big of a hill. But it just, the course just killed you. And then it just killed everyone, though. So everyone's struggling to get Yeah. Bundura is, the, Bundura, Bundura is the place that I learned that pretty early, is just because you feel like you're going really slow, if you look up, I doubt the person in front of you has put any time on you. I, and yep. everyone goes uphill slow. Yeah. So, yeah, it feels like you're jogging up the hill, but everyone around you is also jogging up the hill. Yeah, yeah. That was a good week. Impressive. And, like, I don't think you can underplay the importance of that team concept as well that you've come back into and, like, Geelong and the rebuild and, oh, like, yeah. playing a part and it's getting you, you know, it's giving you these little these little races along the season that you can just go, okay, what's next? Yep, this one. What's next? Okay, this one's in a month. Like, who am I going to beat this time? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. pretty important stuff to have those little goals along the way. And even out on the course, knowing that every single singlet that you pass counts towards your team. And, I mean, we we we, drew, we had the same amount of points as Box Hill and one on a countback. Oh, well, we were second on a countback to you guys. So that just shows that every single little battle counts within the team. Mm. It's a very cool concept. I love how they do it. So do I. Talk about it a bit more later on. Croaks, tell us about your week because you uh, you ended it pretty well of a long run. You've turned a corner, gone from maybe marathon recovery to now fitness building. Is that what we're calling it? Before, yeah. Before so, you got sick anyway. Yeah, so my plan was to introduce some sessions this week um, with the plan of, I guess, just getting back into sort of normal, normal weekly structure from this week, which obviously won't happen now. But, um, yeah, so I did an hour on the Monday. And then Tuesday was my first uh, light session back. So just after work, I just jumped on the treadmill and just did three by five minutes with a 90-second jog. So the jogs were four-minute Ks. I uh, did the first five minutes at 330-kilometre pace, 
second one at 325s and the last one at 320. So, um, yeah, it's only 18 minutes worth of running. Uh, heart rate was like mid 150s for the session. So nothing, nothing difficult, but just something to turn the legs over to get the body ready for sessions. Uh, then Wednesday, um, I sort of did a midweek long run. Like the one thing I do want to increase over the next few months is uh, like three weeks out of four in a month, I want to be doing like an hour 45 to two hours on a Wednesday. Um, so I did 80 minutes on Wednesday, um, four Oh fives felt pretty good. Um, yeah, actually that was a day. So Collis, uh, ended up breaking his leg on the gold coast. Um, so uh, we took him to the doctor on Monday and he had another x-ray and it showed that there was some uh, bone, um, extra bone growth. So they've put him in a cast for, for three weeks. So, um, yeah, poor bugger was walking around with a broken leg for, for two weeks. Two weeks. Um, yeah. Um, so, but, Was he doing yeah. much walking, Carlos? Yeah, yeah, he walks a fair bit. So um, he walks everywhere, doesn't he? Like, yeah, he doesn't crawl yeah. anymore. Yeah. No, no, he's, he walks everywhere. So uh, because he's just, you know, ever since it happened, it was just he was just limping around, and every now and then, like he'd change his nappy, so he'd lift his legs up to get the nappy under his bum, and you'd touch his shin, and he'd be like, hurt, hurt, and um, yeah. So he's all all good now in a cast for a few weeks. It happens a bit, uh, doesn't it? That they stuff it up like kids breaking bones. I had a mate. I'm pretty sure his daughter broke her arm and then it was just like undiagnosed until they went back a couple of weeks later yeah well, i'm guessing it must have been such a small fracture like because obviously if it was a major fracture it would have shown up on the first x-ray but it was so minor that the the only reason i think they knew that there was a fracture there was they could like that there was no fracture line but they could see that there was bone growth on the second x-ray which indicates that obviously something's happened to the bone okay. um, so they they thought it was safer just to put him into a cast rather than him just continuing to limp around on a, on a, you know, sore leg. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was Wednesday, uh, Thursday, I just did 45 minutes, uh, for tens. And then I jumped on the treadmill again, um, for my Friday session. So I just did a tempo, um, did nine K, uh, 17 and a half K an hour on the treadmill, which is like three twenty sixes. Um, heart rate was about one sixty. Uh, so once again, like nothing super hard, um, you know, longish, but you know, pulled up pretty pretty fine from that. Uh, and then did an hour on the Saturday, four oh nines. Felt a bit rough actually, like just like it was a morning run, and um, I just if I don't do any like rolling out or try and like loosen off my back and hips, I find the first like 20, 30 minutes of a run is like just not as enjoyable. So on Sunday morning, I got up and I actually spent 20 minutes like just rolling around on the floor on the foam roller and, you know, getting into my back and hips and started off running and, and felt amazing, like which normally doesn't happen on, on my, my Sundays. Um, so, yeah, I did two hours and um, pretty much bang on 30K for two hours and felt like really good. Um, and then like it wasn't as hilly as some of my other long runs out at Mulligans because I, I did go down to Yerby Pond. Um, yeah, finished that drove home, watched Peter Bowl, and then, yeah, that afternoon started to sort of get the, the fever and the shakes and sore throat and headache and um, <clears throat> pretty much haven't left home since. So, yeah, it was a week of like 123K, which I was happy with sort of, uh, you know, be, like the plan was then to this week to sort of get back to sort of that 140. Um, but I'd say now I'll pretty much be jogging the rest, jogging this week. Yeah. Mm. But – all good but body feels yeah body feels really good um and fit because I, I found after i've run a couple of marathons 
sometimes my long runs, like when I first start back, a bit of a grind, like even two hours. So I was pleasantly surprised that this felt almost easier than some of my, um, you know, long runs before the marathon. That's a good sign. Yeah. Have you, um, and there's like, is there anything to rush back for, like off this sickness? Have you looked at the calendar, picked out a race? Nah. So yeah. So there's no no need to run. Like I like I often jog through colds. So for me, it's like if it's a head cold, I can normally run as long as it doesn't get into my um, chest, which this one hasn't. But as soon as I start to get like a fever or you know, I just know that going out for a run, I'm going to feel miserable the whole time. That, that that's when I don't run through it. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I won't be rushing back to do anything this week. Like if everything goes well, I might get some session in like late in the week. Um, and then, you know, maybe two hours again next Sunday. Mm. Might be starting time to, uh, have a look at the race calendar though. Pick something out. Maybe. Next yeah. goal. What have you, what have you got for him, Moose? I reckon he should do an ultra. Do a hundred K or something. 50 K. I honestly think he would be really good at it. So do I. That's why I'm saying it. Isn't the world 50k champs coming up soon? Or is that 100k champs? Mm. I must admit, it, ones. It, it, it's probably like not an ultra as such, but the long stuff I think is where my training is going to be focused on. Like, as I said, I want to be running an hour 45 to two hours, three out of four weeks every month on a Wednesday. And I want to be doing two and a half hours, three out of four Sundays a month. And then I'll have, I'll have a down week. Um, and also I want to make one of those long runs like a pretty solid one. So I might go around, you know, Lake Burley Griffin and I know roll 335s for like an hour 45 to two hours and do that once a month. Um, and then just, just keep all, all my other sessions pretty controlled, you know, like my standard six minute reps, um, some K reps, uh, still do, you know, short hills uh, and maybe a hilly tempo once a month as well. So that's sort of where, my, that's probably what I'm thinking training wise. Okay, I'm just trying to Google what the Australian 50k record is. Two hours, oh. two hours, fifty minutes, forty nine seconds. Down from Nokiaro's got that. You reckon you can beat that, Crux? What pace I don't is know. that? What was that through the? What was that through the marathon? Is it like two twenty four or something? I did it on the track. I'm just um, bad radio, but I'm just trying to see now what case what that is. Yeah, it's three twenty fours. Okay, so that's where I ran. It, that's where I ran Gold Coast. So you reckon you got another eight k in you? Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I if would I'd, say so. If I'd trained, oh, yeah, like, pace that. if I'd yeah. trained for it. It's two. Yeah, it's equivalent to a 222.30 marathon. Was that 222.30? Not That's not the marathon split. That's just what it's equivalent to. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. So I was a minute slower than that. 68.24. You get yourself in those shapes. You're right. I don't know if I could do it on a track, though. I think mentally that would be oh, no, tough. I'd do it on the road somewhere. They're usually we'll at really see. hot places, the world champs. That'd be good if you got an Australian singlet. Add to mm-hmm. Moose's. Give me I'm something. Just, give oh. me something to introduce you as on the show. I'm just interested to see. Who's like, taking offence to that though? Actually, <laughs> how strong I, how strong I can get off. You know, just doing going a bit longer midweek and a bit longer on a Sunday. Um, oh, and, two most important runs of the week, mate. Yeah, and I think it's quite manageable as well from a family and training like point of view. Because um, yeah, Wednesdays I won't work, so I can do two hours on the well two two hours Wednesday morning. I got a race for you. Yeah, Surf Coast Century, the 50k. So nah, this too is like trailly for him, I reckon. No, no, it's not. It's Isn't it? it's a runnable course. We want, a, we want a fast course for Croak, so it's it, it's not going to be like uh, you're going to run the the record because it's hilly and there's, there are trails. But this is a great entry to that stuff because it is just a day out on the trails and 
you can come down, you can stay with us down here, Croaks. I think there's prize money for it. It's probably like Ooh. one of the better trail races in the country. Possibly. Um, yeah, I'm well, definitely up for something like up for something like that anyway. When is it, Moose? September, isn't it? September, usually the same September. weekend as Normally own. it's the weekend before Melbourne. And usually around like when Berlin is. Yeah, it normally is. 2000 bucks cash, Croaks. That'd oh, be the hundred k. No, nah, that's oh, that's a record-breaking team. Oh yeah, let's Actually, do that. That's let's put a team inside manageable. running team. That's very manageable. Seven that hours fifty-nine. How many people on a team? Four. Four. Oh no, hang on. That's Ash Watson's record. Yeah, I've, I've got to do more research and just type in this stuff straight into Google. Anyway, I need well, to. Uh, I need to get over my sickness first, and then start to do the training that I've just spoken about. <laughs> Yeah, so then come out and break the Australian 50k record to win this race and go down and visit Moose. Uh, yeah, Four okay. people under seven hours, Moose. Could we do that on the terrain down there? Yeah, we could. I've looked at that. It's not that difficult. 2000 bucks cash. Cash. Yep. Don't even have to declare it to the tax man. You just get the cash, put it straight in your pocket. Yeah, you got. You boys have to wear a pack, though. you got to wear. You got to have a mandatory kit. Mm. You're going to have to wear compression socks, maybe a visor. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, let's think about that. Tell us about your week, Brady. We need a, we need a fourth person. Fly Christian from Norway over. He can exactly. Oh, yeah, Zach and Newman. Someone like that. Uh, my week, Brad, started Monday, did 60 minutes, 4.38s in the morning. Then the afternoon, did 30 minutes in 4.22s. And then I made the decision to move my workout from Tuesday to Wednesday. I actually felt all right, but I was just aware that that, um, that stuff up on my long run the Sunday before when I accidentally did like 38k instead of like 32k I was just like I just don't want to push the envelope I just want to make sure that's out of my legs before I put them under stress that a workout does so I um just did 80 minutes and a few strides on the Tuesday and yeah 30 minutes in the afternoon and then the workout on the Wednesday because this was just you know another race coming up so just a little maintenance kind of tick over I did four by four minutes at threshold so hovering around 310 pace and then I did three by two minutes at like a bit quicker, kind of like 10K kind of pace at three minute K pace. And then I had a one minute jog between. So um, that was good. It was pretty cold. It said it felt like negative three when I was um, doing the workout. It's pretty early in the morning. And um, yeah, I always, I think it's a good sign when you can hit faster pace when it's cold. Like you don't have to work for it super hard. So um, yeah, I was kind of pleased with that one, how easy both those, those paces felt. Got out for an easy uh, half an hour in the afternoon on the Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I ran for what I think is going to be the final time, uh, this 10K course for this fun run, for Jono's run that we've got coming up in two weeks' time yesterday. It's coming up. So um, same day as Albert Park 10K, actually, the 7th of August. Anyone looking for a fun run around Echuca, Moama, this is the one for you. This 10K course takes in all the uh, the best sites of Echuca, Moama. So I ran the course, put a bit of spray paint down on the road where the start line is, the finish line, all those kind of things. So um, yeah, when they take all the, the barriers and stuff down there to set it up on the morning, they know exactly where to put them. And it's looking, looking pretty good, that course there. So I probably ran that course oh, 10 times now because every time we make a tiny little adjustment, you got to go down and do the course again to make sure it's still something like 10k on the watch just so people don't get angry if it's 9.95 or 10.15 uh, you're not doing out. that then you're not doing the race um i'm undecided yet i'm going to see what our team looks like for 
Albert Park, the Bats team, and then probably make a call closer to the date. I have, like, I've, yeah, I've put in a lot of hours kind of doing, like, the core stuff and and kind of a lot of the, the planning and sitting in meetings and stuff like that. So my job on the day will probably just be, you know, stand on a checkpoint, pointing people in, in one of the directions anyway. So, um, yeah, the kind of, the work I needed to do is probably already done and there's not much I can do come race day. So it's a bit of a shame that it does clash with, yeah, the state 10K champs, but what do you do? Can't be two places at once. And we'll, yeah, not sure where I'll end up there. Friday, got out for an easy uh, 10K and some strides. And then Saturday, down with Moose at Bandura. Um, I went to Bendigo actually Friday night. So the drive wasn't as long from Bendigo to Bandura. I think about an hour 45. As Moose said, hard and fast early. It felt like a sprint off the line. We do a 2K loop and then like two 4K loops. And um, yeah, it was just, I felt like I was sprinting in the first like one and a half, 2K. And I kind of got, I didn't get dropped because I never really got to the pack of guys who I usually run with. I was kind of always off the back a bit. Um, And then I kind of found myself in no man's land probably after 2K. And I'm kind of sitting around 10th, 11th at this stage, thinking that there's just going to be heaps of carnage and everyone's, or not everyone, but maybe a few guys will come back to me. Because I was really hoping to come 6th or better because I've been 6th at the two other individual cross-country races. So I thought, well, without Andy, I might move up one spot and be 5th. Um, and the carnage did come, but the carnage also hit me. So about four, four and a half, five 5K in, I just felt like I'd been hit by a yeah, stack of bricks and pace slowed a bit and just didn't feel comfortable and um yeah i had a group of guys like the same names we often talk about on here like reese edwards toby mende nathan stoat um will collins he was in that pack in front of me as well and then the first three guys were a bit further ahead um oh the kenyan guy ethiopian guy as well um a beery, beery belay yeah he was in that pack as well so it was a really nice pack and i just couldn't get there and i was pretty much just like 20 20 seconds behind them they were blowing up i was blowing up and i just kind of stayed 20 20 seconds 25 seconds behind them for for most of the race i did pick up will collins um and then nath pierce roman nath from our satapec uh watch parties he went past me and ran a really smart race actually he kind of he was with us probably oh i reckon a k and a half in and he just put the brakes on and then came back at the right time in the race so i ended up finishing ninth i kind of stayed and it was an annoying ninth because it was there was Toby was probably like 20 seconds in front of me and I probably got it down to like eight or seven seconds but I was never going to catch him and then the next guy behind me was like oh I'm gonna say yeah 19 seconds behind me so I felt like I was just sitting in ninth and it didn't matter what I was going to do I was still only going to score nine points for my team whereas AV is usually a bit more um compact yeah, more yeah it's yeah. more like usually in a race and it doesn't matter what position you're racing for but you're like i've got to kick home here to kind of protect my spot or get some points and i'm like this was yeah pointless me kind of sprinting because there was there was no one to catch and no one was catching me so yeah it was a initially i was a bit disappointed because i got beaten by a few guys that i that i'd, I'd been beaten in the last couple of cross-country races but I'm around the mark and it's kind of like musical chairs with a lot of those guys. Like one of us kind of, you know, jumps up and one of us drops back and um, we're all kind of in the same spot. And, and it was my seventh race in nine weeks, so possibly a bit tired because I did do 173Ks the week leading in, which isn't ideal for a, a kind of taper. But I really want to then try to like do this peak again at um, the 15K and the half marathon rounds eight and nine. So 
yeah, it was good. Um, it just, you know, the, I just we kind of, yeah, wanted to make a bit of a, um, you know, try to win the points. And I think we scored 109 points and won by something like 50, 50 points or 60 points in the end. And yeah, to do that without Andy, it was, um, yeah, really good to cement our top on the spot there after losing that, that fifth round. And yeah, it was just a good team effort all around and just try to play your part and, and do your thing. And then um, got out for an hour <laughs> Brad, 50. Brad, does he sound like an AFL player that's just been interviewed after? Yeah, just taking one, one week one at week a time. One week at a time, my fellas. Part. Boys did well. Boys did Great well. Great win from the boys. Backs against the wall and we come out and showed everyone kind of thing. So, yeah, just couldn't be prouder of the bunch, to be honest, the way they just all executed their stuff. And it was interesting in the team meeting on the um, on the Thursday night, We um, they have predictions about how many points we're going to score. And um, our team's predictions were, I think, 153 they had us down for. I'm just opening it now. 155, and they predicted Box Hill 168. So we knew it was going to be close, like we thought it was going to be 13 points in it. Um, So then for, yeah, us to come out and go 109, better than what they predicted us at, and Box Hill 168, which I think they had, yeah, they picked that to the absolute, the T, so... Um, you know, obviously a lot of individuals lifted. Not me. I actually went back from my predicted time, but just some. Uh, Why do you do that? Why do you predict points before the actual race? What's the point? Just to say, like, hey, this is it. Like, we need people to try and aim for these positions because we think this this is the predicted finishing. Um, finishing. Someone's score. got a, someone's got a lot of time on their hands to uh, <laughs> crunch numbers on that. Yeah, there's spread spreadsheet here with every result from the season in here. We don't do thought, it. We don't do it against like we don't predict what Geelong and those kind of teams are going to score. Like we only do it against like Box Hill and the what we thought were the main threats. But Geelong might be have to start so who, getting in the spreadsheet. Who does, yeah. who does this? Because the not committee, you. not that, uh, me. I don't have any time, mate. If I have any, if I have any, if I have any time, I'm going to be doing podcast interviews. That's what yeah. I want to do my spare time in. Or I know you like. Case. I know you like hypotheticals, but the the committee likes them even more. <laughs> the committee is very professional. Yeah, a couple of um. Yeah, some big developments coming in the committee, I think. But yeah, just you know, just just one week at a time, boys. And Andy Buchanan did send me a message today saying, um, pretty much we got one hand on the the tattoo gun, fifteen points ahead with four rounds to go. But we'll probably talk about that more in running news a bit later on, fellas, and then bat chat later in the week if people want to hear more about it. So um, got out for an hour fifty on the the long run yesterday with Archie, and then yeah, that brought my week to one hundred and forty two. Um, bit banged up now though, sore hammies and stuff, but um, that's all right. We'll just recover and then load up for another race next weekend. Let's talk. Thanks to Patreon supporters, eh? Yes. Kick all right. it, kick I'll kick it off, off. Bradley. Uh, I've got Nathan Tramby this week. Nathan lives in Rosebury, New South Wales, so it's a suburb of Sydney, over near the eastern suburbs area. Uh, did the City to Surf in 2018 and 19. 251 at the Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon this year, and his estimated best on Strava uh, 25.11 for 5K, 55.28 for 10. Uh, he has five photos on Strava, four of nature, and one of a pretty cool-looking skate park. So thanks for your support, Nathan, and um, good luck if you're doing City to Surf this year. Yeah, and on that skate park photo, there was actually, now I'm thinking about it, there was actually a really good sunrise in the background. So maybe it was taking a picture of the sunrise. Or the sunset, but the skate park yeah. did look pretty impressive. Mate, was so. it maybe Bondi? Is there a skate park at Bondi? Don't know. No, it's pretty well, big. Yeah, there's definitely one because on that lifeguard show, what's that called? Mm, Bondi, yeah, Bondi Rescue. Rescue. They're Rescue. always in the skate park. Yeah, 
always troublemakers up there. Yeah, it's a real troublemaker location, isn't it, the skate park? I'm going to go next, Moose, because I was, um, I've been trying to find a bit more on your man, but you might have to wing it because that's all I can get on him. But my man this week is Kenneth Smith from Bristol in the UK. Ticked off a sub-20 with a 19.59 park run PB. He's ran a 43.53 for 10K at a race in Cardiff and 90.18 at the Edinburgh Marathon Festival. Could be a V40 athlete like yourself, Croaks. And um, I like the UK, how they do that run Britain. Have you guys seen that? Like, it doesn't matter who you are over there. If you do run and mm. races, you get a profile and it puts all your stuff like ranks, your park runs and your fun runs. And I think it's a really good resource. I wish we did something similar in Australia. But um, yeah, some good some good times there. Kenneth, he's just snuck under for his 5K with that 1959, but just missed with the half with a 90-18. So you win some, you lose some in the round numbers game. And I'm sure he'll be... Uh, trying to tick that sub-90 off soon. Moose, tell us about your man, but we haven't got much on him. I might see if I can get more later next week when he actually uh, accepts my um, not-friend request. What are they called? Follow request on Strava. Yeah. Well, my my Patreon thing here is Xavier Vegas. So, Isn't it a great name just to start off? Yeah, with? it's a real. And I'm not just trying to pad. I'm not just trying to paddy because we don't have much information on him, but it's a it's a great name. So he's from Connecticut, and he's from a small place there called Westport. And I've just opened up Connecticut, and I'm trying to find Westport uh, just off the map. I'm seeing how big it is. If it's going to show up as a major city, uh, it doesn't look like it. Um, Connecticut, you boys know off the top of your head where that is? No, I wouldn't have a clue. Just no. above New York. So it's on the kind of coast. It's like below coast. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. It'd get cold there, wouldn't it? Yeah, I reckon. And it's um, it's where Yale University is. I can see that. I, I wonder. Wanted... I wonder if he went to that university. Because, well, is that where he does play golf? And Yale oh, University. Westport. Yeah. Westport down on the coast down there. Sherwood Island State Park, close to that. Uh, it's probably a bit too far away from Yale, though. Maybe he goes there. Maybe not. Anyway, Xavier maybe plays golf at Longshore Golf Club. He does. Um, not maybe. I Googled him and there was a newspaper article where they'd opened the golf course and there was a quote from him saying how he enjoyed playing golf there. Oh, the inn at Longshore. Have a look at it. Down yeah. on the ocean. Yeah, you can see. I don't know if that's a golf course or not. but um, Also, Xavier perhaps is over 40 years old. So are you just basing that off a photo? Uh, no, I saw some running results and it said M, uh, yeah, M40+. plus. All right, well, we'll pay 40+. plus. But, yeah, Xavier, sorry, Brady's had a nightmare here. I'll give you the hot tip, though, Xavier. My defence, there's been a lot of stuff to put in this agenda each episode when there's, like, four million events that happen at the World Championships between this and last week's recording. So um, I'll see if I can get some running-related stuff on you next week even though we spoke about him for longer than the two guys who we actually did have <laughs> running-related stuff on. Well, we didn't speak about him. We didn't. We spoke about his town. Massive thank you to all those people over on Patreon who support the Inside Running podcast. Uh, it really is. Yeah, it's it's humbling to know that people uh, put some money in to make sure the show stays alive every week, and we definitely appreciate all that. 
been thinking about some bonus content coming over there soon. Got some ideas, talked about a bit off air the last couple of weeks and um, yeah, should have some developments there as a bit of a reward uh, at Patreon. So if you like what we do here, patreon.com forward slash inside running podcast to keep the lights on and show your support for the show. Running news, boys. I put it in all different colors this week. So we can just go event, person, person, person. We can just not whiz through it, but we can kind of mm. try and separate the events a bit, have a bit of ownership over a few different events. Kick us like off, Bradley. It. All right. So I'm going to do the women's 1500. So we'll start with the Australian results. So Jess Hole was seventh in 401.8. Georgia Griffiths was ninth in 403.2. Um, to be honest, we didn't see a lot of Jess and Georgia in the race because the first three took off from the gun and within 400 metres, you pretty much knew who the three medalists were going to be. It was Kipiagon, Sergei and Muir. But at that point, you just weren't sure which order it was going to be. Um, they went through 400 in 58 seconds and 800 in 203. Um, Kipiagon, she's so impressive. She ended up winning 352. Sergei was second in 354. And Muir was 355 for the bronze. Um, different class, those three girls. Yeah, three. It, it very quickly sorted itself out of who was going to get the medals and who was in a almost separate race, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look at the times, 58, 203. So what did Katrina Bissett run in the women's 15, in the women's eight? 205. So they've gone through in 203. Yeah. And our 800 girls got run yeah, 205. But you, you can't compare that. She had the stitches in the. We'll talk about that soon, but like she had stitches in her legs and she ran a 57. Yeah, oh, they ran a 58. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. But I'm was not that saying, Cat Bisson at her best? It's not the point. The point is that they have run very fast for 400 and 800. Okay, yeah. You're saying that's world class 800 meter running. Well, when I first. When I saw the first split, I was just like. The world record could go here. <laughs> like, Did you that's... know, because on the TV it flashed up 55. Did you know that was wrong straight away? No, I um, uh, I didn't I didn't see that flash up. Um, but I, I looked then on the World Athletics uh, website, the results, because they have, they have the splits for every single 100 metres. Yeah, I've got them over um, now. Yeah, and it was 58, um, which, you know, they've probably left a bit of time out there going 58 first lap. Like, it's probably a little bit too quick. Um, whereas, you know, a 60, a 60 and then 201 was probably better <laughs> or would have, would have felt more comfortable at 800 anyway, I think. Yeah. Do you think Jess has any regrets not trying to go with the pace or is it no, just too hot? I, I think 58 is too hot for Jess. Um, I think she'd be maybe like, I, I thought she'd be around that fifth sort of place, like, you know, trying to win the like best of the rest if that makes sense mm. um outside of those top three and um there's probably a couple there that beat her that you know if they re-ran the race she would, might get them next time um but then it has come out that she got covered um <clears throat> not long after it so maybe there's some effects there I'm not sure and it's hard to say too because we saw very little of it like what was happening in that pack as you said yeah pretty good result though isn't it seventh and you kind of uh and, and ninth for two australians on the world stage Yep, agree. Moose, men's 1,500. Yeah, men's 15. So one of the upsets of the meet, um, we had Stewie in the final and um, all eyes were sort of on that front group, Stewie, Jakob, who was going to, Tim Cherry, who was going to make the pace, were they going to go fast? 
and they they did go fast. So uh, the Stewie was ran his season best, so he hadn't run faster this whole year or this whole season. Wait, it, that is this year basically. Um, so he he was ninth in three thirty three twenty, but up front Jake Whiteman he beat Jakob, who was almost the uh, unbackable favourite really when we were looking at the um, odds before the race you were looking at all these other guys going oh this guy can run he's, he's got good odds at five bucks but is he going to beat Jakob and it's like no well, no one's beaten Jakob um, but Jake Whiteman with 100 metres to go where they started to line up to pass him he took the lead about 200 out and Jakob sort of went around to pass him but it just didn't happen. And it's like, oh, hold on a second. Jake's got the legs today. And Jakob just couldn't quite get there. And then as soon as Jakob, like, turns around to look behind him, you know it's over. Mm. And that, that happened about 50 metres out. So, yeah, pretty pretty epic result. Like, no one saw that coming. Not sure what he was paying before he went in, Jake Whiteman. But $16 with the bookies. 16 So, I mean, that's, that's bloody <laughs> – that's a roughie, really. In a final of only how many? Ten? No, no. Fifteen people. Twelve. Yep. Yeah. Um, Stewie ran fast, but it wasn't his best rate. Obviously, couldn't change gears when that happened. Uh, when all the racing went down, but to be only four seconds back is a solid result. Jake Whiteman, there's there was writing on the wall here. I didn't know it at the time. Otherwise, I would have had money on him. But he, do you know what his four hundred and eight hundred meter PB are? No. Uh, is it like 144 or something? 144 one. Yeah. So he's one tenth of a second slower than Pete Bowl over eight. Yeah. And he's ran 48.3. Like he's got wheels. He just, and we saw him use them. Like, you know what I mean? We didn't think anyone was going to outkick um, Jakob. And then he's just, yeah. It almost reminded me of the world champs, what Jakob did to Chariot, kind of like led him, lead him, and then outkicked him. Like, did you think Jake Whiteman did that to Jakob this time around? That's what I thought. I heard, an in, I heard an interview with Jake saying that after the Olympics, because I think he finished 10th there and he was quite disappointed. And, you know, he's got that raw speed. But as his dad, who coaches him, said, well, you know, if you're not in a position to use it in the last 200, like, it doesn't matter how fast you are over 800 or 400. So I think he's been trying to work on his strength um, over this last you know, year, um, which includes sort of longer tempos, um, doing a bit of cross country, 3K races, which is not really what he's been doing previously. So obviously his strength's improved and then he can, um, you know, access that speed off in that last 200. Um, the question for you boys, like how does, um, how does Ollie Hoare sit back? Like Ollie, Ollie beat Jake uh, in a mile, like not that long ago. So does it piss him off or does it motivate him? Motivates him for sure. I think it just shows that Yaku can be beaten. Yeah. Yeah, and it's difficult to do that because you could say Stewie beat Dake at multiple places before this. And, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, we, we knew Ollie was a contender, even think, though. Yeah. yeah. I think Yaku's, like, I think he his post-race interview was that he was disappointed that he didn't squeeze a bit earlier. Like, he got to the front and he said that he just – like felt comfortable there and just didn't, you know, whereas he should have probably squeezed a bit harder to try and take that kick out of Whiteman, which, you know, it's easier said, easier said than done. And it's easier in, um, in hindsight. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to talk about the 5K now? Because Jakob did do that to him in the 5K. Put in the fast yeah. lap before the fast lap. Yeah. So we'll go with the Aussies first. So in the men's 5K, um, Jack Rayner uh, was a DNS. Um, so then we had Kai Robinson in one heat and we had Matt Rams in the other. Um, this was Kai's, like, debut um, in an open um, Aussie team. And he, he did great. Like, he finished eighth. Uh, in his heat i think he missed the final by maybe one spot or two spots um ran 13 27 but tactically he was brilliant he just put himself in the right positions all the time covered the moves um but just didn't have that sort of extra gear when they all started to kick down um so actually it was three three spots off qualifying um, and only six seconds off his pb so um thought he ran really well um Ramsden was 16th in his heat in 13.52. So uh, he obviously wouldn't be happy with that, given his season's best is 13.17. And then the final was interesting because the women's final was the day before and it was pretty slow early and it played into the 1,500-metre runner's hands. So going into the men's 5K final, you're like, well, surely guys like Cheptegei, you know, are going to want to make it fast because if you leave it late, you know, Ingebrigtsen should win that race. Um, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the race, but uh, a few of the competitors were going out and great, like Jakob included, grabbing, grabbing drink station. Like the drink, you know, the drinks table's out in what, lane four or five. And he's running along there halfway through the race and he's trying to G up, G up the crowd with his arms. Um, but yeah, those boys just didn't run hard enough you know, from the gun to tire him out. So he won quite easy, easily in the end in 13.09. Dude, he was doing that same stuff in the heat too. Like he just stayed at the very back and was just covering moves as much as he had to and then had yeah. the arms going in the home straight, getting the crowd going. I like Do you that. Know, poor, I like it. Poor tactics from the others though, like especially when you saw what happened in the women's 5K. Yeah, yeah. but I reckon it's this same situation where everyone backs themselves so that they've got the best kick. But but you reckon you reckon Chepter guy would back himself in a kick? Chepter guy won the kick down in the ten k. Yeah, but he's not kicking down against the three twenty eight fifteen hundred meter guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, not at that pace. He's not. Yeah, like he might be if if it's off thirteen minute pace or twelve fifty five pace, but exactly. not not yeah. at that. They're on thirteen twenty or something pace with uh, four laps to go or three laps to go. Like it's too slow. Yep. Yeah, Chapter was down in ninth. My man, Oscar Chalimo, he was in third. He got the bronze in the end. You see, um, yeah. Grant Fisher was there, and then I reckon he got checked or hit the rail with like 80 to go, and he kind of, um, yeah, I thought he was going to get a medal. Yeah. And then he kind of had the staggers up and couldn't close it. Clipped by his teammate too, I reckon. I reckon Mohamed got him, yeah, so do I. Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, his Bauman, Bauman teammate. Start swinging. I thought, he ste- I thought he stepped on the rail, actually. I reckon he got like... checked first and then hit the rail. Oh. Yeah. I tried to look at it, but yeah, I, you couldn't really tell. Um, it's I. I also what was I about to say? Shit. Um, Kai, yeah. you're going to talk about Kai. Was I? Was I? I don't know. I'm just looking at the notes here, thinking surely you've got some good stuff to say about Kai the way he raced. I actually missed Kai's race, um, so I'll let you talk about it because I didn't see it, the run. Yeah, well, Croaks already has. It was just ballsy. Had a crack. He was with the yeah. big boys. Tried to kick down on him. I like seeing that. 
uh, the women's 5K, we had three athletes in here. Jess Hull was one of them, and she didn't start because of the COVID stuff that Brad's already spoken about. Hopefully she gets that sorted before Commonwealth Games because it's going to roll around pretty quick. Um, Nat Rule was in the first heat, and she had a DNF. She didn't have a split after 2,700 metres. Went through 2K in 6.01, and like she's got a 15.06 uh, 5K PB, so... Shouldn't have been like super crazy. So um, I haven't heard anything. I just hope everything's all good there. You guys heard any any news? What happened? No, I haven't. No, yeah. I heard nothing. And then Rose Davies was in the second heat and she was 15th. Um, she ran 15.45. So similar story to Ramsden. A long way off her um, personal best of 15.07. Not sure if she had an injury or just a bad day or, or what the story was there as well. So no Australians to cheer on in the final. And then the final was interesting, as you said, Croaks, a slow early on. And then let's bet G'day. Um, she went to the front with Tezgay, the two Ethiopians, and they were just having a chat and just, you know, waving each other through every four or 500 metres for the other one to lead. And they were just rolling off 70s, just kind of like, you know, burning people slowly off the back. Um, and then big kick down, and the 1,500-metre runner won it, as you'd kind of expect. It was close. Hassan nearly got up there at one stage, but uh, not quite. And then G'day, I think, was fifth or sixth, but it looked like she was just stoked that her teammates uh, were first and third in the end, and she was... Yeah. <laughs> did you reckon it was just like, hey, I've already won one of these. I've already picked up my 70000 bucks. Um, who wants it? Like, come on, girls. Let's... She was, like, not phased at all that she got out. She was still trying, but I think she said that for her teammate, and they're just like, let's share some cash, share some medals around. Yeah, it was one of the highlights for me. Like, and but you see it often with these African nations. Like, they're really happy when their um, when their countrymen or countrywomen do well. Mm. Um, whereas, yeah, like I I thought, you know, if she wanted to win that race, like she probably could have. Like, you know, if she was to make it fast from the start, but yeah. it almost it almost didn't seem like it was her goal. And it was, um, and I kept saying to Carly when we we're watching, I'm like, it was just kept being 70, 70. I'm like, they're going to go 68, 67 or something soon. And they just didn't. They kept it. And you, I reckon she was keeping it there to say, all right, let's just wait for the big kick down because we've got this covered for Tesco. It's just a cool, like, it, it almost turns it into a team sport. Mm. Yep, I like it. I'd love to, some of the access that you got throughout these world champs as well with the cameras behind the scenes and in the call rooms and stuff like that, like you saw her a couple of times because rarely do you see any media, um, maybe it's a language thing or whatever it is, like more about their personalities and coverage and um, you saw her just flicking a couple of smiles with Hassan one time they were walking out of the track with each other, kind of giving each other a bit of a hug and yeah, I'd love to get way more information on some of the um, Ethiopian and Kenyan runners to know more about their stories. Because I know she's pretty vocal about the, um, you know, the issues going on in their part of Ethiopia as well, which I have not enough knowledge to talk about now. But I'm sure if you Google it, you'll um, see stuff. Next Google race, what? Uh, the is it like war stuff? Croaks? Do you know much? I don't know much about that. Was, there was it a man who jumped over the fence at the finish line and started like a, and you know, he was from a similar part and yeah, like embrace them. I know Let's oh. Run did an article on, yeah, how they're kind of like heroes back there in their part of Ethiopia. Um, women's 800 moose, tell us about that and the men's to round things out. Yeah, well, the women's eight, again, I missed this. I think these were on time when I couldn't get there, but we had a couple of younger girls. As well as Cat Bissett. So in the heats, Tesco Sopkol, um, 
Geelong girl, actually. She ran 205 for seventh in her heat. Didn't didn't progress. And Claudia Hollingworth, Hollingsworth sorry, was eighth in her heat in 204. Um, so, yeah, neither ran their PBs. But this is sort of championship heat racing. It's pretty rare to run PBs in championship heats. So uh, those girls, good experience for them. Um, and I think, well... Who, which one of those two are, are both of those girls going to the com games or are either of them? Claudia definitely is. Not sure about Tess. Yeah, either. Um, anyway, Catfish uh, that was in her heat at about 100, 100 to go, 110 maybe, she, um, she fell. And uh, so she um, protested at the end. She obviously didn't get through her heat um, in that regard, so she protested. It failed, and then she put in a second appeal, and then that one was successful. So um, she got through the semi, but she had um, some some war wounds from the race and some spike, like the the effects of getting a spike in your thigh. Basically, I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Uh, so 11 stitches required, and sort of like a big gash right in a kind of abductor groin area. So pretty pretty nasty little injury there. She went out in the semifinal. Um, she actually, like, shocked me in how she ran the, the semi. So she went out very hard. 57-3 she went through 400 in. Um, she was probably about 10 to 15 metres in front of the field for that 400. So they weren't really interested in going with that pace, but she persisted with it, um, and she was caught at about 550 uh, and then sort of slid out the back. So she ended up running 205, um, didn't get through clearly, like, um, the, the semi. And then in the final, I just watched that today, great race. I think New, who is going to be, like, a champion for years and years, she won from... Keely Hodgkinson, who is also going to be a champion, like both of these girls so fast, 156, so very quick 800, and to the line they were. They're both 22 moose. What do I mean? They're going to be around for like, yeah, like five to ten years at that race. Maybe, maybe they move up in their later stages. Who knows? But I think Moo can run the 400 as well. She's got the speed. Uh, she I saw her run a mile once. I didn't think she went that well. Yeah, it was that indoor one, wasn't it? I think she was gassed in the last couple of laps. Yeah, but she, like, tack, like it was a, it was just a really good race. In the last 100, it was so tight. And it she was, left the it door was, open, didn't she? She come wide know. around that bend. Yeah, and then, like, I was thinking, I, I felt like she kind of came across a little mm. and almost pinched the gap on her. But at the same time, it was open long enough that, Hodgkinson could have taken it if she, if she could. She could have got there. But, yeah, in the end, like, deserved winner. Um, the men's 800. So we saw Pete Bold just sneak through as the last qualifier. Uh, after the two Kenyans got the autos in his semi. Um, doesn't really matter how you get through as long as you get through. And he got out in um, the final. He got in the right spots early, I thought. So he was sort of where he wanted to be. But then as it played out around the like probably at around 300 to go kind of got swallowed a little never really found clear running and ended up seventh in 145 
five. Um, career, the Olympic champion, he got the W, um, which was a surprise. He showed no, no form all year and then just had the class to come out and win when it mattered. He ran 143.7. And he looked good in the semi and the final, didn't he, career? Like, yeah. Pants, it's, it's hard. For, it's just such a global event and competition, isn't it? Like, we sit here, Pete Bowles, seventh, Stewie, ninth, Jess Hull, seventh. Like, Cat Bissett didn't quite get to the final. And it just shows how bloody hard it is to get a medal. Like, have we got one since Mottram in 2003? Uh, the distance one? I don't think we would have, would we? 2005. 2005, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. So 18 um, years. Do you think we'll get one in the next 18 years? Yeah, I reckon we'll get one in the next 18. Yeah, yeah. I do too. <laughs> but then also, like, you look at it, if, if we were talking about this, I don't know, five, six, ten years ago, we'd actually be like, oh, these results are awesome. Because for so yeah. long, like, we would just <laughs> no run out of – We would just run out of heats. And so – We've come so far now that we're just going, oh, yeah, only finished ninth, only finished seventh, because our expectation is just so much higher, which is a good thing because it shows how far we've come. Yeah, and the depth as well in most of the events. Like, you got yep. more than one person to cheer for. But, yeah, I think we're just like, maybe I'm just getting a bit greedy. I'm like, come on, let's get one. Like, someone just, just land a bronze or a silver or, geez, a gold would be nice as well. But that's a wrap on the World Championships. Felt like it went on for about eight weeks, didn't it? I don't know. Did it feel like that for you guys? I was super excited when it started. And then, like, towards the last couple of days, I'm like, this is still on this thing. Like, let's let's wrap it up. And I'm not sure if they could condense it a bit more so it doesn't go for as long as 10 days, make it more engaging um, in a short kind of period of time. Maybe it's just my attention. Maybe I'm just thinking it's just the curtain raiser for the comm games, which is about to happen. If you think about, think about if this was held in... Melbourne, right? Ten days left. How are you going to get there? How are you going to get off work all those times? Like it is a massive commitment to be going to the to these world championships. It's at least at the Australian Open. It's in summer when most when a lot of people are off work. You so mean as a spectator, not as, as the a spectator. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, the athletes they will find a way, but the, the, as a spectator, ten days like is yeah, it's not the best spectator sport when it's like that. Could they do it over two weekends, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no competition? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe. Well, you've got the like you've got decathlon, like the decathlon, heptathlon, and then you've got sprinters can get it done over a weekend. They they normally run it pretty like condensed. Yeah, put three, the hundred the on one weekend, the two hundred on the other weekend, five k on one weekend, the ten k on Stretch the other. Stretch them out. Yeah, you can do it. I reckon. And then the fifteen, like yeah, you could almost stretch of 15 like heats and semis and then a week to the final final yeah sebco if you're listening another great idea coming in from brady Truffle. uh sydney harbour 10k croaks or anyone got any any way to close that world champs chat good Pretty, from australia i mean we have australia we're, we're, we're on the climb we're ignoring we're talking about distance running but good from the jumpers and the throwers really kelsey lee barbara epic gold medal like Alan coming, patterson Yep. Another well. one. And then um, Nina Kennedy with the bronze. Mm. Like, yeah, the female field athletes did amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. She was also nice. Was she fourth in the Yeah, she walk? was fourth. Yeah. Yep. yep. Nice having live athletics on, though, at, uh, you know, 10 to midday on a weekend. 
Yeah. But yeah. rather than having to get up middle of the night to watch World Champs. True. Not great if you got a job though, Croaks. That's true. I actually put the uh, the men's 1500 final. I put up on the uh, the TV at work at school, so I had the kids watch it. What'd they say? Um, Based on their phones, not even yeah, watching. They weren't really that interested. You're not allowed to have phones at school, are you? High school kids, Croaks teachers, yeah. Have them out, they're, uh, they're not meant not meant to have them in class. You, you know, meant to stay in their lockers. But yeah, rules aren't always obeyed. When the, when the substitute comes in, Moose, phones come out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would have destroyed your life, Craig, when I was a kid. Sydney Arbor Ten, Craig. You destroy my life now, Moose. It's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sydney Arbor Ten. Uh, Brett Robinson got another win on the roads. Uh, he won in 28.42 from Matt Clark, 29 flat. Ned Goddard was third in 29.08. Uh, in the women's, Chloe Ty, she's back in the country from uh, – she lives over in Dubai, I believe. Uh, 32.24, um, she beat Leanne Pompiani, 32.37, and Ainsley Van Graan was third in 33.15. Some good results there. Pretty twisty, turny course too, isn't it? It's not that fast, but those times look pretty good. Yeah, I've never run it, but um, it is a bit twisty, and I believe what makes it a bit tough sometimes is there's a like pay, like lots of paved sections, and that gets quite slippery. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, Leanne's, she got Jess at Launceston, Chloe here, and Elisa at Sydney 10. Yeah, but then she got the win it's at Gold, Gold Coast, Coast, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. But she's she's drawn three very handy women competitors in three of those races. That's how it be. Right. Yeah, that's how it Competition's be, good. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's not good. bad luck. I'm not saying it's bad luck. I'm just saying. Just she's had to cut, get over a few hurdles to get some wins. Chloe Ty, though, that's that's a solid result. We haven't heard much about Chloe Ty, but if you're running that fast. You're thereabouts. The most gonna... random runner in Australia. Yeah, she's um really underrated. Like she's somebody that I do, like I've mentioned to you boys that we should get her on the show for an interview because um she was a phenomenal junior. I think went to world world youth or world juniors, and then took a bit of time away. And now um I believe she's a teacher over in Dubai. And um she sort of she came out of the woodwork. Uh, remember they put that three k on at Bankstown when remember we had that inside running challenge. Yeah, in the wet that That's, night. Yeah, and they put a 3K on where um, there was Jess Hull, Chloe, and Rose Davies. And Chloe ran like 840-something. Um, and so Jess won. Um, Chloe was second and, and beat Rose that day. So um, I'd love to know why she's not throwing a hat in the ring for, you know, an, an Aussie singlet because she's she's there or thereabouts, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, watch that space there. Vic Cross Country Champs Moose, we've talked about the hacks further down the race, but let's talk about the people up the front. Yeah, so Melissa Duncan took the win in the ladies, and um, she did it really comfortably. Saw her on her final lap when I was warming up, and she cruised past tempo run style, it looked like. She also started conservative because I think she's had some sickness, maybe COVID, and was coming back slowly, so... Um, just went into test like test the uh, feelers early and then just came strong towards the end. She ran 35.44, so she won by a minute and a bit over Keely Small, um, who's running for Glenn Huntley. New coach, Croaks? What's going on there? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't spoken to for Keely for a long time. 
Anyway, but down in Melbourne by the looks of it. I saw a, I don't know if it was a coach, but I saw Craig Mottram talking to her before the race from the Bendigo tent. Oh, yeah? Is that who you think her new coach is? Whispers. Well, not a whisper. I was just standing there, just <laughs> no. hanging around the bats, and I looked over and said, that's Craig Mottram. And I'm like, that's Keely Small. What's she doing in Victoria? And then Glenn Huntley kit, like, how do they get even stronger? Good pick Paul up. Mottram would have his, have his athletes run for Geelong, though, to be honest. Might have to, have a, might have to send well, off a fiery email. His coach was Glenn Huntley. Mm. Chris Wardlaw. Not his first coach. His first coach. Oh, yeah. Scrivo, Geelong yeah. boy. Correct. He used to run for Geelong. Um, mm. Emma Hogan from Glenn Huntley was in third. Uh, in the gents, yeah, we've talked about – oh, sorry, women's um, team. Glenn Huntley, 41, <laughs> over Box Hill, 144, and South Melbourne, 152. They uh, are smashing everyone, Glenn Huntley. Yeah. The women yeah. there are on the next level. They're in their own, own league. Glenn Huntley, yes, with the winners. Seth O'Donnell from Mentone, he he passed Andre Waring towards um, the back half of the course because Andre Waring went out and ran, I think, by himself about 20 metres in front of the field. Correct, Brady? Yeah, he got a gap, yep, and Seth was kind of leading that, that chase back. Yeah, and um, he's come through pretty strong, Seth. Massive little finish line sprint. Um, not against anybody. Just finish line sprint, if you well, watch the footage. I watched the footage, and I thought maybe because he would have seen the clock, because he ran 30.06. So maybe he or, thought, if I get him a bike here, I'm a 29 guy. Maybe, maybe. But regardless, puts it all on the line. Um, so he beat Andre Waring by eight point, eight seconds, and then Lachlan Hurd was back in third. He ran 30.32. Um, in the team... Results: Bendigo Bats have taken another victory, so unbeaten. Undefeated. Oh, sorry, no, no, you did get one. defeated. You yeah, did. That's right. Oh, thank Perfect God. Season's um, been ruined. Yep. So you were the they winners. Lost, they lost the one. Where, they lost the one where they put up that massive pre-race um, Instagram post. That's the only one they've lost. Oh, from Jeff yeah. the Gorilla. What about Jeff, this old-time journo, just in Bendigo, He's just got up and about, just typing things up for the boys. I hope he drove to. To uh, sand down and watch your blokes lose that day. No, nah, he stays at home. He's going. He just stays at home tracking the tracking the points. Yeah. Anyway, um, second place was the mighty Geelong Cats who've come from nowhere this season. Back in seventh, first round, climbing the climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder. All of a sudden, bang! Second place. That's impressive, Brady. Th- things you love to see. I, th- I love it. I think it's great. I'm all for the regional teams smacking up all the Melbourne teams. We've got to sit in yeah. the car for hours to get down there, backs against the wall kind of stuff. I don't, I don't think Ge- – I think Geelong have got the same budget for their team as Bendigo's got, which is $0. Just blokes rinsing themselves for the singlet. I just love it. Happy to this, see you guys up there. So this is how a team is successful in cross country. It's when athletes show up to run, even if it's – uh, even if it's in conflict with their best interests as an individual athlete, it's like what you're doing now. Like, you're, this isn't helping your running right now, doing these events. If anything, you're getting worse. Tell me about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you're there for the team, and that's why Bendigo is going so well this year. And it's all of a sudden why Geelong started to go well because people are showing up two weeks after a marathon, a week before a marathon. <laughs> coming from like 
like injury. They're coming back. They're doing tempo runs. They're just getting there. They're getting there because they want to be part of it, and that's how that's how it starts. And I reckon that's what you guys have nailed, and that's why you're doing so well. Um, and that's that's been why Geelong's just climbed the ladder this year as well. And I tell you, next year, 2023, Bendigo and Geelong are going to have some battles because the culture's building here, and I can see you guys. You're not going to lose too many, but I reckon we're going to have some ding dong battles next year. Yeah, where we've got you though is that uh, the top end, because you got to remember we beat you by fifty nine positions without Andy. This is without this year a, with... without a fit Archie, and we got another fourteen forty guy Ned Buckle, like the the one the twin brother of Matt the Mad Snake Buckle. We got a fourteen flat bloke on the sidelines. We got Gunther at two twenty one. Yeah, we got a two twenty one man. We got Nick Whiteman, former yeah. national cross champion. <laughs> We have we have some. Don't you worry about the top ten, little fella. I'm just saying. I think you need guys in the top ten. You guys did really well at having a lot of guys between twenty and thirty, which is what you need for your for your fourth, fifth, You're and sixth. You're under twenty guys going to go the same way as Archie Reed. Yep. Get a girlfriend. Forget about training. <laughs> lose the plot a little bit. Move to Melbourne. Archie's back in the scene this week. He's coming. He's coming back. Clubs creep in all of a sudden. Not everyone's a fucking nerd like Andy Buchanan. <laughs> I don't know if I'll rock up next year. If we win this year, I'm just like, we've done it. I've won one. I can just say Bendigo's finally won a premiership. Hey, you got friends with Geelong. Don't reckon, forget about that. I reckon my um, – oh, yeah, but it's different with your home to, home club. It's been a bit of a stretch going down to Melbourne, which what might, what, what might be 10, 10 rounds this year, but it's good fun. And don't sleep on the Cats Croaks because they're in – on the ladder, they're in six, six or fifth. I reckon you're in sixth spot, but I reckon you're in striking di- distance to come third for the season. Yeah, there's a few number crunches getting at it right now. It's a big goal. I like their cats are only going to get stronger over the last four, and it's good to see them up there, Brad. How uh, how many of our listeners do you reckon uh, get to this point where you just bang on about AV <laughs> for half an hour and they just fast forward? Yeah, numbers are dropping. <laughs> to, to the listen, until they get to the listener question. Which is now, Bradley, so get us back on the rails. All right. There are a lot of runners who compare their training sessions to elite athletes on Strava. I'm more interested in what elite athletes do in between their sessions slash races in order to train like they do. What do you think are the top three things that distance runners should do between hard efforts to ensure their bodies are prepared for the next race or session? How does this change as runners get older? That um, question comes in from Andrew McAvoy. Part two from last week. And he's a Glenn Huntley guy as well. His AV club, I didn't mention that last week. Good question. He asked some good yeah. questions, Andrew, doesn't he? Sleep. Mm. Let's one. let's break it down though. Let's say what are the it says what do you think are the top three things distance runners should do between hard efforts to ensure their bodies are prepared? So why don't we say what do the what do what are three things that professional distance runners do that the amateur doesn't? Is that is that sort of more what this question is? Yeah, because like you know, talking about recovery food and getting protein in, in that first 15 minutes, a lot of people who aren't professional runners do that. Yeah. So you want right. to highlight three things that, like, we, you know, you don't have the resources all the time to do because you've got to go to your job or look after kids or whatever it is yeah. that you do in your life. Yeah, yeah, let's spin it that way. Yeah. What are they, Moose? What are the top three? Well, one is rest. So. Yeah, we can you... break that into a few categories. Yeah, okay. So one, one, is, one is sleep. One is sleep, especially if you've got kids. They they train at 9.30 a.m., professional athletes, don't they? That's yeah. right. It's a longer 
it's a longer sleep time overnight, and it also includes sometimes napping through in the, throughout the day. So sleep is one, and that's just not uh, that's just not an option for most people to be able to sleep that much longer, and especially to put naps in during the day. So um, sleep, but at the same time, rest is there as well. So I'm going to do sleep one, rest is two. So rest is finish your run and not scamper off to work, mentally fatigue yourself for eight hours straight, physically fatigue yourself by standing up. A lot of people will do manual labor, staring at a screen, sitting down at a desk. These things are not good for rest. Um, in fact, they, they probably compromise the run that you do that afternoon rather than enhance it, which is the difference between what a professional runner can do. They'll knock off their run, they'll come home, they'll have their breakfast, then they might watch Netflix, or then they might answer some emails lying down, they might have a nap, uh, perhaps they'll go out for a coffee. They will chill out before their next training session, whether that's a gym session or a, or a second run. Um, so it's totally different. Sorry to interrupt, but even that, like the meal time, I'm not sure about you guys, but how often are you rushing a meal to get to work on time or like, you know, and you might not not do it intentionally, but you might actually under eat because you're just like, I've just got to get this sorted, eating on the go, that kind of stuff. Like they would put much more time and effort into this is the meals, these are the portions, I'm getting yeah. enough enough stuff in. Especially before, like especially most well, not most, but like there's a lot of recreational runners that train in the afternoon. And like I know people personally who um, will basically not eat enough during the day, like at lunchtime or that afternoon, you know, in the afternoon before their afternoon session and they go out and they wonder why they bomb out, you know, mm. because they haven't, they haven't fueled in, in the, you know, before that session. Um, I have which, to think you know, that the flip side, the first thing in the morning as well, like if you're doing a workout at 6, 6.30 a.m. and you're waking up 30, 40 minutes before that and hardly like being able to hydrate because you don't want a stack of water sitting in your stomach, yeah. like you're doing sessions, you know, potentially dehydrated, especially yeah. if you had a couple of beers the night before. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's nutrition is the third one. You kind of just nailed it. Maybe there's three there. Um, four, four is just not having... Well, there's only a, there's not a lot of professional runners that don't have a like have to have a job to supplement it, is there? Um, not too many in Australia. Maybe well, what did it say about ten who would do it professionally, properly professionally. Maybe fifteen. Um, but if you looked at say the entire world, the professional runners, they don't have to stress about outside work. Yeah. So they're not like that's the beauty of these training camps. They get away from it all. I guess the other thing we could add in there is just general general body maintenance, which obviously comes with rest, but, you know, having time to be able to roll out or having a, you know, if you're on a training camp, having a you know physio or a massage therapist that travels with you, you know, that's also what I'd imagine a lot of professional runners do that recreational runners don't. Because a lot yeah, of them treated. get treated, you know, yeah. once or twice a week, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I guess the last part was how does this change as runners get older? Um, uh, I don't I don't necessarily think that changes that much in terms of um, what elites do. The question, that second part is probably geared to how we actually wanted to answer. I think it depends on what balls you've got in the air. So when, like, 
you're just working and running. And then when you're working, got a family and running, I think that adds a different one. So that's potentially as you age, you know, you get the introduction of kids coming into your life or different responsibilities there. Yeah. Um, I, I think for maybe older runners, like taking just more time in between sessions, um, you know, like a lot of younger people, and I did this when I was young, did three quality sessions a week, whereas... Yeah, you know, I can't even remember last time I did three hard sessions a week. Like I did sort of two max, I suppose. Yeah. So you just recover sometimes quicker as well to be able to do three for some of those other professionals. That was good. There's some, I'm not sure if you scroll down, but there's some very good listener questions coming up. Some yeah, good, cut, cut and paste those into the in the next week and we'll, some we'll good work quality through them. Ones coming up if you've set one in where we've got them coming up for you. All right, Moose, this is your part of the show. We're reviewing some shoes. Tell us about what we've got and what we're talking about. This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Since their launch, Metaspeed shoes have helped elite runners win medals at international competitions, including gold medals at both men's and women's triathlon at Tokyo 2020 and achieved over 200 personal bests and counting. With more turbo, more propulsion and more traction, you are guaranteed more speed with the all-new MetaSpeed Plus series. The MetaSpeed Sky Plus has a carbon plate position higher and flatter in the midsole to deliver more propulsion for a stride type runner. The MetaSpeed Edge Plus, however, has the plate position lower and more curved in the midsole and combines with a higher drop to give cadence type runners a more efficient forward roll. Visit www.asics.com.au or your specialty running store to grab your pair today. Right. You've been selling a lot of these? We did not receive a lot of these to sell. Okay. Um, yeah, so not it's it's a it's a fairly limited release uh, for retailers anyway. So we only got four pairs of one model, five pairs of the other. Um, it was good though because we got sizes close enough where I could put both on and compare the difference between the two. Just before uh, you go on, is it strange that they'd release a shoe so, like, both a performance racing shoe at the same time? Yeah, well, it's it, these guys are doing it differently, obviously. They're, um, ASICs have identified two different types of running styles and tried to make shoes for those running styles, um, which no other brand seems to have done or at least called it out in their marketing around it. And so it does make sense to me that they would release them at the same time. Um, because there's a lot of similarities between the two in terms of like they look they look almost identical when you put them next to each other. Um, they use the same foams. They use they the same colour, the same uppers, same tread. So yeah, it it, it does, but it, it it's confusing. Mm. It's definitely confusing as to which shoe you should wear if you followed the. Um, advice or like direction given by ASICs, then you can look at maybe a few metrics you might have on your Garmin um, in terms of sort of ground contact time and stride length and cadence. Really? But, it's getting to that. Wow, well this yeah, well I don't I don't I don't fully believe in it to be perfectly honest. Like I don't I don't necessarily think that's the best way to purchase shoes. Um, there's just so much gut feel and intuition and personal preference involved in footwear that you can't do that adequately, in my opinion. 
otherwise everyone will just look at the data and pick the shoe that has the big like the the biggest benefit to running economy which um so far we, we we're thinking is the alpha fly but people don't like the feel of it it might not fit properly it might be too soft it might be too heavy it might be slappy there's all these different things that go into it um so yeah i i haven't found anyone who really fits the profile of being one of these shoes over the other and has sort of tried both and it worked out like the formula worked out that that was the better shoe for them um you would suit the edge plus given that you're a cadence type runner with a higher turnover and as you get faster your turnover increases how have you found the edge plus yeah it's interesting i quickly spoke about it at um the gold coast live show so we got offered uh both of the pairs and i put it to you and said which one should i go for moose and you said i should go for the um the edge plus because of my cadence being a bit higher so i got that one um i put it on i had it planned for a workout where i was going to do some threshold stuff and then do some faster stuff at the end of the workout and my initial thoughts was it was really like loud and slappy um and like um it was a weird experience because i'm running down the middle of a road in like a residential area of Moama at 7am in the morning and I almost felt like I was making too much noise and I was going to wake the neighbours and stuff up, um, which I hadn't experienced because I'm doing workouts on that same street every week and um, in different pairs of shoes and I'm like, what's going on here? This is making a lot of noise and I didn't find it was fantastic at the threshold pace. I thought it was just a bit like I was hitting the wrong spot or I'm not sure what was going on, but I thought I had to work harder than I usually would in a higher stack um, super shoe to kind of get down to my threshold pace. And then I was, yeah, I kind of wasn't sure on it when I finished the threshold work. And then when I put on, oh, sorry, then when I turned around to do the faster stuff, it was so much better at, so I'm talking the first kind of stuff, I was at 3.15 a K and then I dropped down to three minute, 2.55 um okay so kind of like probably close to my racing pace and it was really good um and i've used it a couple of times since but knowing that's what to expect in it and it's been actually since the gold coast so probably talking three or four weeks it's probably been um on my feet in training at least once a week so i've gone back to it which i don't always do for all shoes um because i'm pretty precious with what i use in training because you want to feel good in training so um potentially a similar similar feel for race day so i haven't tested it in a race i'm keen to maybe Owl park 10k i'll chuck it on for um yeah because that's a pace where i'll be going that similar similar pace to where it felt really good but a very contrasting experience at two different paces in it i feel it's not as super shoey um as an alpha as a vaporfly even as the New Balance one, um, I feel like it's more of a racing flat, old school racing flat with a bit more, a bit more rocker cushion, but not spongy. Does that make mm. sense? And I know you two haven't ran in it at pace, so it's hard to to compare. Well, I have. I've done some workouts. Oh, I've done workouts in it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I thought you just well, not the that Sky one. Plus. I've done the Sky. I've got the Sky Plus. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so my the Sky Plus is different to the Edge. I mean, listen to Shoe Geeks this yeah, week if you want to make yeah. It, yeah, a little bit more um, in-depth breakdown. But basically the Edge Plus has less less foam under the forefoot, 
It has a more um, spoon-like plate in it and it sits lower in the forefoot. Um, it has a higher offset, the edge. So the Sky has been compared to like what the Alpha is compared to the Vaporfly, which would be the edge. That's the comparisons being made See, out there. It's interesting. I don't feel I don't feel like the edge is like the Vaporfly. I still think I'd put the, the Vaporfly and the Alpha in a category and then the edge in a category. Mm, yeah but that's just right. personal yeah. opinion and yeah but they're the guys they're, they're setting these gender i suppose uh, it's no right answers with shoes mm. everyone's got their own feels on it and the sky plus to me is the most stable super shoe i've worn so going around corners doing in the place where i do workouts i'm on dirt uh there are a few tighter turns there's some corrugations um and a bit of camber and to me, it's felt the most stable because the foam isn't as soft as other super shoes. So the the firmness of the foam gives me more integrity underfoot. It gives me more confidence when I'm turning corners. Um, the plate being higher is noticeable in the sky. Like I feel like when I load the forefoot to toe off, my foot doesn't really sink like it does in, say, the Alpha Fly. Um, and that's just a very snappy feel, almost old school it's a, it's old school race flat vibes like you said, Brady. I agree with that. Hmm. Croaks, you chucked yours on. Yeah, so I did a few strides in them. Um, what was it? Two weeks ago, and then I actually did both my sessions last week on the treadmill in them. Uh, so I got the Sky Plus as well. Um, the thing that stood out for me the most was probably the amount of cushion in the forefoot compared to any of the other super shoes. I almost felt like there's so much in the forefoot that I was really raised at the front and then sitting back a bit on my heel. Uh, like that's when I was just standing in them, not running in them. Um, and then I didn't quite, and maybe it's just, yeah, cause I'm like a higher cadence runner. So maybe I should have went the edge as well, but I didn't get quite as much of a rocked feel with the, with the sky plus for me. Um, but I, I, I just noticed for me, like just the forefoot, the forefoot cushioning. Um, so I guess if you if you land on your forefoot, like I think that would be great. Whereas I I probably don't land on my forefoot that much when I run. So yeah. Yeah. maybe maybe that's just the different yeah the differences in you know maybe I maybe I'd be more suited to the edge. It yeah. really is for both of them. Like it sounds like a blatant plug for Musa store, but if you can access a store where you can put them both on and run in them before making a decision, I think the feel vibe will be your best bet here. Yeah, do you reckon for the Sky Plus, like, will they get to... more stock though, Moose? Surely, isn't it like when the first super shoes come out, there was like limited, and then it's like no problems getting one now. Uh, this is the first drop of this batch, so there aren't there aren't there is an excess. They'll get another color arrive um, later, or maybe February. Oh no, December now. I think maybe there'll be something before then. We just don't get told. Moose, do you think with the Sky Plus, like landing a bit more on your forefoot is beneficial for this shoe than than being the, a bit more heel? For the Sky? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think I think the tip point's a little almost further forward. Yeah. So you've yeah. got to be up even further to, to feel the um, – to be on the almost the right side of the rocker. Yeah. Like it takes a bit to get over that rocker. Yeah, because that's what I was saying before. Like when I put them on and I just stand in them, because there's so much cushion in the forefoot, like the front of your foot feels hot, like raised off a lot higher than your heel. So yeah, I feel like I, to get the most out of that, I do ne- definitely need to be landing more forefoot than heel. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good chat. It's an interesting shoe. Looking forward to doing more Ks and potentially a race in it. Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. Well, this relates to you, this does, Brady. Oh, here we go. Well, you finished the race on the weekend. What position were you again? Came Eighth. Ninth. Nah, ninth. 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 So the top 10 in the race, uh, you have been selected to run for Victoria, or you've earned your position. You haven't been selected. You you, you earned your spot to, to represent Victoria at the National Cross Country. Um, I think you earn your, like, fill out the um, selection nomination form. You're not, you're not like, picked straight away. But you've prob- you got a good chance if you're in the top 10, yes. Yeah, so you nominate. Team. Yep. You put your hand up and say, yeah, I want to represent Victoria um, at the Nationals. At the Australian Cross Country Championships, yep. Yeah. So you fill out the what, nomination form. Fill out the nomination form. Um, if you want to go. Not everyone in the top 10 probably wants to go. But wouldn't you think it's a, pri- like it's a privilege to run for Victoria? I mean, you've earned your spot. Yeah, putting on the big V. I do like that um, Athletics Australia have put on some big prize money for National Cross Country this year too, which is good because, yeah, I don't think they've ever done that in my time. Can't remember it being... And it's just a cool concept that every state sends their best 10 people and you go head-to-head. Well, it's state of origin, isn't it? We love state of origin. Like every sport, you normally make a state team and then you'll um, – I mean, it's the states compete against each other at more like a, an amateur level, which is what this is. Uh, I just – I was a bit um, surprised at the cost involved, though, for a, for a potential member of the Victorian team to run. Um, I know Toby, who – Runs for Geelong. He was he, eighth. Um, he got me. He was eighth, yeah. And, like, we've talked about him running nationals. Like, that was actually, like, the goal uh, when we developed the program back in whenever it was, February or March or whatever. Um, sat down and said, I think I think if you aim for, like, Bandura cross country, earn a spot in the team, run at national cross, um, like, that would be a great goal coming off a marathon. And he went and did it, so he's made He's come eighth. He's earned his spot on the team, but he can't afford to go <laughs> because um, before you even leave, you have to purchase all the uniform, which is how much does that cost, Brady? You would have you would have seen the numbers on it. Um, off the top of my head, Moose, I reckon the singlet was maybe forty five, fifty bucks, and same with the shorts. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be getting much change from a hundred. I might try and open it up and have it correct while you're talking, though. Yeah, and then you've got the. Um, the entry fee so you it's not just an entry fee like to to be on the team costs you 55 bucks it's a uh what do they call it a team levy yeah that's a victorian um, team levy i've got it open now because i was looking at it today so the vic team levy costs 55 bucks however if you just want to go go and run there you actually can enter and not run for your state only costs you 35 bucks so they sting you an extra 20 bucks if you want to represent your state or you've earned a spot on the team. Single um, 45 moose, shorts 50. Yep, so 95 plus 55. Um, so plus you what you got your, there? You got your entry of 35. The levy doesn't include your entry. Doesn't it? No shit. No, so, here it says um, individual entry to the cross country championships will be $35. And then the levy is. A team level will be compulsory to facilitate entry process, administration, and on-the-day management duties. 
Alley $55. So that's not... Okay, so now we're up to about 200 before you even left. Um, now you've got to get your accommodation and everything. So, yeah, like, unfortunately for Toby, he can't afford to, to go. He can't even afford to even leave Ballarat with the fees, like, before he, <laughs> before he even gets in his van and drives over. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. I, I, I just don't think, like, running for your state should cost you that much money. Yeah, because you've got, you got flights and accommodation as well. So it just says here, the, uh, the Australian Cross Country Championship is an individual travel event as Athletes Victoria will not be supplying team accommodation or travel options. Therefore, athletes are required to organise their own transportation and accommodation. I was the same, an athlete I coached came forth, Nathan Stote, and he's a young fella, first time he's run at Bundura, and I kind of said, he was pretty excited, he was making the Vic team, but I said, probably just check out the um, the, the selection policy because you're probably not getting a lot of change from, from $500 for you yeah. know to get yourself over there to do the race for your state and come home yep and just to know uh, what you're up for before you yeah you know sign off on it yeah so i wonder if it's the same with all states that um that that they have to not just pay your own way like i get it if you come out if it if it but there's like, just no money in our sport is there moose i don't expect it i don't expect you to get paid for it mm. but i also don't expect it to cost you an arm and a leg to run for your state. If you've earned it, that's probably where my um, beef is. Like if you've proved that you're in the top 10, the top five in your state and you're going to put on a state uniform, um, there should be a bit of, you know, I'm not, I, don't, I have no idea how their financials work, to be honest. Um, yeah. But obviously they don't work in the favour of those people who want to go represent their state at the National Cross Country Championships. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, like maybe just a reflection of where we're at as a sport. Um, <laughs> that's how it is. So there, does it get to a situation, though, so like, you know, Toby, eighth, does, he's not going to go, I'm not going to go ninth. Um, we, you know, does it get to a stage now where the 14th, 15th, you know, might get a run and then you're sending not your top 10 and it's not a competitive nationals or not a accurate nationals? Well, definitely. I mean, Definitely. Or you get the situation where somebody like Toby says, you know what, I still want to run nationals, but I'll just run as an additional competitor, pay my $35, get myself over there, and be the, say, hypothetically, the top Victorian runner, but you're not going to count towards the team event, which yeah, makes the team event a, a bit of a joke. It's only a $50 difference there, though, $55 difference. The only thing he doesn't have to pay for would be the t- honour and the uniform. Well, uniform, because he, cl- he could run yeah. in his club uniform. So he saves himself 150 bucks. Yeah. That's crazy. To me, that's crazy. Remember that used to happen in Victoria Moose when Victoria had the Nationals? You used to, like, you just enter like it was an extra AV yeah, race. Yeah, I went and did the one out at... Um, I did the one at Geelong. Uh, uh, yeah, the one that was at the race course, Mooney Valley. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one too. And it was yeah. always bad when people in the Vic team were getting smoked by, like, people in Ballarat singlets or Bendigo singlets and stuff like that. I don't think it ever happened. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. That's that. Yeah, interesting moose on the loose. More like moose is confused, isn't it? Like, how's this? How's this situation work? More like, more like you were fuming and you wanted me to have a crack, so I've had a crack. At I wasn't fuming. I'm not even going. No, why? No, I'm not going. Not because of. Well, I'm just going because I'm already going to ten races for the yeah, season. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. And I don't, don't want to. Like yeah, and and I actually crossed the line on Saturday and just said to Toby, "I'm glad we don't have to put our spikes on for any more cross country races." 
because I was cooked. Yeah. Um, yeah I've right had a, I've see, I'm sick of running cross country. Oh, no more. No, Looking forward done. to the roads. What's, the com- roads, yeah. what's coming up? Uh, Commonwealth Games, boys. Kicks off Thursday, two or three days away. It's going to come around pretty quick. Marathon this Saturday. Any predictions for me? Saturday night, I think. I think the men kick off at 6 p.m., so it's going to be good to uh, watch that happen. It might be a bit of a late night. I think the women are maybe two or three hours after that, so they might not start until nine. How many in the field? Could be hot over there as well. Um, no, no, I haven't seen Startlish yet. Are they released? I don't know, but that's an, that was my other moose on the loose this week. Is the field sizes at the marathons? Oh, I think did, I, we didn't talk about Sarah like, Klein. Was that last week or this week? No, we missed Sarah Klein. Uh, Sarah Klein was 14th at the World Champs. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about yeah. that. That was oh, pretty cut impressive. Cut this back in. Cut this in. No, we'll just put it in here. People, if they're going to be furious and email us straight away, we'll just be like, just keep listening, just keep listening. Because that was an amazing performance, I thought. It was a small field, but um, Sarah Klein, 14th. I'm going to open it up now. She ran a PB. Yeah, that's ran, great. Ran through the field. And this is someone who got in off ranking points. Like, she didn't hit the time, and then she's come out there and ran... 14th at um, the World Championships, which was pretty impressive. Just open it up now. Uh, was won by uh, the Ethiopian, wasn't it? Gabriel Asse. She ran 218.11. They went out super hard. Korea from Kenya was second, 218.20. And Sol Peter from uh, Israel, 228.18. We'll talk about her a bit. But yeah, Sarah Klein, the only Australian in there, 14th, 230.10. For a PB, the American girls are fast there too. Moose, you see this? Emma Bates, two twenty-three. Sarah Hall, two twenty-two, and uh, Kiara Dimato, two twenty-three. Yeah, so, very good. So, wasn't this the one that was going to be super hot and everyone wanted to go to the Com Games because it was potentially going to be a bit cooler and you could still run a fast time and stuff? Mm, yeah, I know there was talk of that. I'm not, I don't think that's. Was that a reason used by some by the Aussie girls to go to Com Games? Don't know if it was like for and reason, but it was just like an observation that that could potentially potentially what could happen. Yeah, it was thrown out there. Yeah, yeah, no, perfect conditions, like twelve degrees or something, just ideal running weather. Uh, shown by this the the pace, so they went out at world record pace, um, and it obviously it backed off a little bit, but the, the winner still ran two eighteen, and and those American girls ran very fast, and Sarah Klein ran very fast as well. Yeah, that was a great result. And just um, and just high up, like 14th. But, yeah, you're right when you're talking about field numbers. There were 32 finishes, mm, probably, probably 8, 10 here, DNFs, including Charlotte Perdue from uh, Great Britain. We'll talk about her a bit when she's over here in Australia. And Ruth Chepnagetich, the favourite, and she also DNF'd. So, like, they used to have field limits of 80, 100, when the entry standards were pretty laxed and... That, like, well, how much one. more effort is there involved, really, when you've got a field limit of 30 or a field limit of 80 or 100? No, no, this and wasn't I, a field limit. I don't think anyone wanted to do it. But why? Because like, on the, yeah, yeah, so on the, well, maybe one argument is, well, Com Games is on. Yeah, they had an entry number of 100 with a qualifying standard of 229.30. They can't have had an entry number. Yeah, they, kind of had, they had 79 people they were going to take for the entry standard if they had it, and then four um, by finishing position at designated competitions, so like previous world champions and stuff like that, Olympic champions, and then yeah. 17 off ranking points, which is our ceremony. So, so those that don't nominate for the spot, though, it surely goes down. 
to the next ranking spot. Yeah, not sure why they just so like, keep going down. So, like, the girls who have the time that don't get it, like, I would love to see that those 50 spots open up to the next 50 in line in the rankings. Mm. In my mind, that would that encourages, like, the, the not fully top-end elite to keep having a crack and keep sticking at it because it gets pretty bloody demoralizing when you start seeing entry standards that get tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and just on that, have you just seen you the see, message see from what Christian? Christian? Yeah, what Christian sent through? They've released no. the qualifying standards for the um, Olympic Games 2023. This is fresh oh. off the press because we've just opened this document. I'll start with the men's 10K, 27.10. <laughs> Women's 10K, 30.40. Marathon, 209.40 for the men. 2.28 flat for the women. Okay. Going to take a hundred in each event for the marathon and twenty-seven for the ten k. See, that's where so the you got to um, break the Australian record if you're in bloke going to the ten k. Yeah, quote, quota will come in there for sure if they're going to have a field of a hundred. Oh yeah, three, three, three per. There's no way you're going to get three per country. Yeah, under two hundred nine forty, you're going to have quota spots. Now, so Moose, the way I'm reading this quota is. They they can only they only were willing to go down seventeen positions. Is that right? Yeah. So we're saying they're saying, hey, we'll put seventy nine people who can get the standard in, and then we're going to go and we've got four spots for people who've won big competitions, and then we'll go seventeen extras. How do they come to that conclusion? I guess that that number that goes over. That adds up over a hundred though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but maybe they were thinking they were going to get more by the standard. Anyway, I like to see more out on the. I like to see more out there. But well done, Sarah Klein. She was out there and she got it done. That was yes, good. correct. So, what are your predictions for this weekend's marathon? I just looked up the weather. Birmingham weather. This is a long way out. Still four or five days out here. But Saturday morning over there, at um, eight a.m., seventeen degrees for the boys, and then twenty degrees for the women at around nine ten ish. Window um, though, no idea. I don't even know the course. I don't know if it's hilly. <laughs> Brady, uh, Brady loves his. What about during the World Champs? Just build predictions, some boys. Just build predictions something. for this. Predictions for that. It's like <laughs> just build some hype, fellas. <laughs> just tell me what Sinead Diver going to be first Australian? Andy Buchanan uh, is he a sneaky medal chance? Jeez. No. <laughs> Liam or Liam or Andy, who's the first across the line there? Um, I think Liam is. They do a, a crap job of, like, you can't even find fields. Yeah. The race I, I is this Saturday. I struggled to even see, find the start time for each event. They had, what I saw was a window between, say, 9 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. for all the different events that were happening. Like, yeah, it's not It's that... so poor, isn't it? Do you it know is... why? It's because they're, they're the world champs are on. There's no multitasking. They just, they look for one day, 24 hours ahead. To take care of that, and then it's the next 24 hours ahead. Um, there's no like, I'm talking about AA. Well, I'm talking about even, but oh, on the uh, about Games, Games website, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, all oh, right. The big countdown clock starts in two days, 23 hours, nine minutes. I'm like, geez, you better get your ass in the gear over there and get some, some start list up, yeah. Anyway, yeah. who's the top for the women? Uh, I know there's been some COVID issues over there in St. Moritz. So I don't know who's come out of them the best. 
but I'm going to say, I mean, it's hard to go past 10th place in the Olympics, Sinead. Like, it's hard to go past that. So I'm going to go for Sinead. Mm, okay. Croaks, any predictions? Any hypotheticals uh, you want to throw out there? Um, no. I, I've got no idea. Um, the women's will be won by a Kenyan. Yeah, probably the men's as well. <laughs> All right, we're done and dusted, boys. What's happening in your life, Moose, between now and next week? Well, hopefully have a dog by then. Oh, dog still hasn't arrived. Yeah, fuck it. I thought, you, I thought Bree was going to the airport Saturday to get it. So did I. Missed the flight. Uh, yeah, well, communication hasn't been the greatest here. So, anyway. Hang on, between I, you and Bree or you and the dog owner? No, the dog. The okay. dog. So I took the week off work thinking that I had a puppy to come and look after. Um, not, not the week off. I took two days off. Um, so now I've got two days to spend at home uh, without anything to do. So do family stuff. Be a dad. Good. Croaks, what are you doing between now and next week? Just recovering? Uh, yeah, trying to get better. I'm, I'm cooked. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'll um, probably go to work tomorrow and then, uh, yeah, just try and get better. All right, we'll do it all again next week, fellas. Enjoy watching the Commonwealth Games Marathon. I'm sure we'll talk about that. See you, guys. See you, guys. Special thanks to ASICS for sponsoring this week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast. We have a shoe designed for both cadence and stride runners and featuring the latest in racing shoe technology, the Metaspeed Plus series has you covered to ensure you find your speed no matter your running style. Visit asics.com.au to get your pair today.